Okay, welcome back to Fastship Performance. Then my name is Tim Davies, and as you can see, I'm back in the attack shack, dropping truth bombs on your personal battlefield, helping you to win the wars you are fighting. And I've got a guest today who's not only won wars, he continues to win wars, and this is value. This is what we're bringing in here, guys. And you need to listen to this dude because he is the master of whatever, all the fitness, all the weight loss, everything. Grab this guy. I've been chatting to him a long time on Twitter. He's he's the knowledge, so he's here to drop those truth bombs as well. I'm going to bring him in right now, then. Matt Izzo. How you doing, Matt? Good to see you. Hi, Hi Tim. Great to, great to see you as well. I'm doing great. How are you today? Not too bad. Look, put your name down there. And one thing I have put down there, because you're really big on Twitter, I've put your name at Matt Izzo. If people are on Twitter right now, you need to go on there. You need to follow Matt and you need to read everything he's ever written in his whole life ever. Okay, that's how yeah. I'm going to leave that. <laughs> Welcome. I, I hope I hope you do right. I try to make my Twitter page uh, an uplifting, sort of inclusive environment. Right, it's about getting better. You know, Twitter has a reputation for having a lot of negativity on it, and that's certainly fair. That there is a lot of that, but you can curate who you follow, and if you follow the right people on Twitter, it will level up your life. And you know, I, I try to make my page and my interactions about let's all just get better, right? Because a rising tide it lifts all boats. So let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk about that. The mute button, I find. I don't really block people. I just mute them. It's a, it's a nicer way of doing it. I don't want to block anyone. You know, just mute them and then you don't have to hear them again. Then, you know, your message is getting out to the right people. You're, when did you start going onto Twitter and why did you go on Twitter? Was it because of the, the, the journey you'd been through and you felt you wanted to spread a message? Or were you following people before that helped you on your journey that we're going to talk about in a second? Yeah, I've been on Twitter since 2009, actually. And um, I, I, I've had uh, multiple accounts at this point. And a lot of my prior accounts were like anonymous or pseudo anonymous. And they were really kind of geared toward one specific niche, like the sports teams I was interested in. Um, and I always saw Twitter as a great tool, but uh, the niches I were in, what was in, what, they weren't big enough. And I was kind of, I, I felt a lot of shame about who I was for a long time. I'm sure we'll kind of get deeper into that as we talk, um, yeah. you know, but, you know, as I kind of lost weight and uh, I ended up, I was featured at one point by, by Men's Health Magazine for my weight loss. And uh, when that happened, I kind of seized on the opportunity to, you know, create some social media space. I made an Instagram account. I made a Twitter account. Um, and eventually I got around to, to tweeting, you know, as me, right, with, with, with who I am, sharing my story, sharing my picture, sharing my, my journey. And, you know, initially that was really hard for me. Um, but, you know, so I got big into sharing this account. Uh, it was right after the pandemic started. And I was working from home and I said, hey, you know what, I may as well spend some of this time working on building out this uh, Twitter account. So it's you know, been since about March 2020, I've been tweeting on this and trying to help people and just you know, share my story, what I've overcome. Yeah, I, I think this is what we need more of, isn't it? I think if we can, it's very interesting, isn't it? Like a parent, I'm not a parent myself, but when parents apparently tell their children to do something and the children won't necessarily do it, but when they can see the parent doing it, then the kid realizes it has a significant value. And so the kid just does it. And that's why I think that, especially as I get a bit older, um, I've got a nephew who's very young. He's about eight years old and he hasn't got a father because my mother, my, my sister, a single mother. And I think he's going to look around and look for men. And I want me to be a, one of the men he looks at and says, well, this is going to work because my uncle's doing that. Right. And my other uncle is in, he's in the Middle East. You know, he's, he's a bit of a fitness dude. And so that's what I'm hoping. So Twitter is a place you can spread your message. Now, the message that I get from you is that, I mean, I talk about failure a lot. Now, failure for me is first attempt in learning. 
F-A-I-L, all right? So first attempt in learning. I don't look at failure as a bad thing. I look at failure as, I look at people that haven't failed as, as deprived of something. But people that have failed have gained something really knowledgeable. And you've done this, you've done the weight loss journey now three times, I believe. Yeah. And this is your third time. You've, you've worked out the code. You, you've done the maths. You're stuck to it. You're never going back. This is you. This is your life now. And this is what you, this is what you tell other people now. This is your message. It's like, you can do it. You can be here. I am. You can feel great. Can we talk about how you felt back in high school when you always had a problem with how you felt about your body? Uh, what, what, what was that feeling like? What did it mean? Yeah, it, it was, you know, growing up when, when I did in the late 80s and early 90s, I was the, the fat kid, right? Now, that was before most of the kids were, were fat, you know, and it was a challenging way to grow up. You know, it was very obvious that you're different from the other kids and the other kids make fun of you and they exclude you, right? And it's easy to just see the physical difference. So I came to identify my, my physical state sort of, you know, and saw it in a very negative light, Um what I've realized, you know, doing this for so long and, you know, you know, healing along my journey is that, you know, I, I had deeper emotional issues, right. That I kind of needed to solve that were really what my, my uh, problem was these deeper emotional issues more so than just the, the physical weight I was carrying. That was more a symptom of, of, of my, my problem than my actual problem. And that was why, it took me so long to really overcome it because I would lose the fat. Right. And there's the physical aspect of it, which is, is, is great. You know, it, it's, it's simple enough to, to lose fat. And I think everybody who's been fat for a long time has had some success losing it or, you know, made some progress with it, but it's just so difficult to maintain. And that's because it involves, well, the, the mental part of it and the emotional part of it. Right. It's, it's more than just, counting calories and exercising, right? You know, you have to kind of make a holistic transformation in order to, like you said, right, embody this this sort of new person and, you know, have this just be who you are, right? When, when they say it, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle change, it's a cliche, but cliches usually are true to a certain extent. And it's, it's a lifestyle change is not like I, I sit down and I just do like a list of 30 things every day. It's more like this is who I am now. And I just through the course of, of my life, I, I, I just embody these sort of habits and behaviors. And, you know, this is what really transformed me from being, you know, the kid in high school, you know, who, who felt really uncomfortable with my body and, you know, felt different from the other kids to now. Now I would say I've kind of transcended that and I don't necessarily care so much about what I look like. Right. It's it's I, I see the bigger picture than that. Yeah, no, I completely get that. So the emotional issues you had, was this like um, a, fa a familiar issue that you had growing up? Was it something that you felt you weren't valued and that was the emotional thing? And therefore the weight, you just didn't feel valued by anyone. The weight didn't matter. So you were able to just carry that weight and not care about yourself. Is that, is that what it is? I guess it's hard to say. I mean, honestly, I don't necessarily even know what, what the cause of it was. It's just, you know, I, I lacked a certain self-belief, you know, and the way our minds work, our, our minds can only understand the present and the future through the lens of the past, right? Because our, our minds can only see the things that have happened to us in the past and, and kind of consider how things would happen in the future based upon how the past has gone. So if you start off on the wrong foot in life, you know, if, if you suffer setbacks early, it's easy to kind of get into a cycle of negativity where you just, you know, it's, it's hard to see a way out of it because you've, you've trained yourself and you've conditioned your mind to just see the world a certain way. 
versus somebody who, you know, might have a different childhood, right. With positive experiences, you know, and like you talked about failures, right. Overcoming some failures. And then, you know, you know, you might come to see the world differently. Right. So, so then as you grow up, you're going to have a very different life experience than somebody who's sort of had a more negative childhood, right. Maybe they had failures and they didn't overcome them and they're going to just sort of see the world a certain way versus someone else. Right. So it's, it's, it's hard to say it wasn't just one specific thing. I, I just, I, I guess I would say I, I was a low energy person, right. I was in a low emotional state and, you know, you attract more of that into your life when, when you're in that state, you know, and, and it's, it's, it can be a challenging thing to break out of that. It took me a long time. That's for sure. Yeah. So we talk about the low vibration versus the high vibrations, don't we? And if we're living with the low vibrations, we attract other people that have low vibration. A typical example, of course, is, is you talking about the bar, going to the bar on a Friday night. Who's in that bar on a Friday night? I mean, typically people probably that you know, have low vibration and, and you feel accepted by that crowd. It doesn't matter what size you are because everyone else is the same size doing the same thing as you. It's a very, you don't have to change because you've got people that accept you for who you are, even though, even if you're not accepting yourself for who you are. And I think, that's something I look at victimhood out here a lot more and it's a lot more common now for people to, to feel they're the victim. And I think when you, when you, when you feel you're the victim, it's not your fault anymore, is it? Because someone else has done it to you. So it's not up to you to make the change. It's up to the state to provide maybe or something like this. It's not your fault. And I try and get that across to people. I'm like, there's no one else coming to save you out here. There's yeah. no one coming to save you. No, no one cares. I mean, seriously, no one cares. It's like, it's up to you. And, and by doing that to yourself, you, you become the message as you have done, you become the message that says, you can do this. You just have to do it. Yeah. And it, it's empowering to realize that you're not just a helpless victim, that things don't just happen to you, right? Because it gives you some agency then to make changes. Yeah. And I posted something last week about bullying and I can't came to understand that, you know, I attracted the treatment from the bullies into my life, right? And, and you know, the, the emotionally healthy kids, they didn't even bother with me because they didn't get any payoff from interacting with me. They, they just saw me as like, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. He's low energy and I don't want to, you know, get, get involved with him. And it, it's, it's the other emotionally damaged kids, right? And they would interact with me and I would react in such a way that would give them a payoff for, yeah. for that. And it just ends up being like a, a symbiotic sort of relationship where, where they give me negativity and I give them that negativity back. Right. And we both, both feed off that, but it's, it's ultimately a sign that both of us weren't negative, you know, emotionally healthy. And, but understanding that, you know, you're, I, I wasn't just a helpless victim. These things didn't just happen to me. To some extent, I attracted this behavior and I encouraged it with my reactions to it. Well, then it's like, okay, now I can change this. I can, I can change the way I see myself and I can change the way I let other people treat me and I can raise my energy and I can attract different people into my life. And I'm not just stuck being the victim for the rest of my life. Okay, this is something interesting right here. This is something interesting you just said there, okay? Well, amongst everything else you said there, Matt. But let's talk about something that I heard recently. We on another dude's podcast, and uh, you were talking about with him about how do you get people – interestingly, Tony Robbins talks about potential action results belief as well. And we were talking about results. And it's only when you can feel you have the potential, but it's only when you see the results – well, potentially when you action something and you see the results, do you believe you can have the potential? And that's where you go around the circle. So with that in mind then – Everyone has the potential to change. We all know that. Everyone does. Everyone does. Most people don't go from the potential to the action stage. That's the hard thing that Tony Robbins says. He says, once I get them to action something, strangely enough, they will see some results. They might feel better about themselves inside. They might see a little bit of weight loss. They might see a bit of control around alcohol, whatever the problem is. 
but he says, I find it very difficult to get people from the potential to the action stage. That first step then, you were talking about uh, with another dude on his podcast. How do we get people to recognize that first stage needs action? Because once they do, we can move them forward. How do you how do you go about that with the clients you have? Yeah, with the clients I have, I mean, really, I, th I think they have to kind of get to that stage first because you're only going to reach out to me and hire me, right? That that can be the, the first step, but you know, you know, it it ultimately comes down to you know connecting with the part of you that realizes you can be better. And you know, I struggled with this for 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 25 years, and I would say throughout that whole time, there was always a part of me who knew that it could be better, right? Who, who knew that there was a better world out there, who knew that I could figure this out. And I, I think that's true of everyone. You know, everyone feels that on some level, everyone who's out of shape, who's overweight, right? There's a part of them who, who wants to get better. And it's about connecting with that part. And, you know, it's going to be a lengthy process, right? I, I lost, you know, this most recent time, I, I lost 75 pounds. I've kept it off for over five years now. But it's, you know, in, in a lot of ways, it started with me walking 10,000 steps every day. And I did that every day for two and a half years, even before I started losing weight, right? So, you know, it's, it's a lengthy, it was a lengthy process for me. And it seemed lengthy at the time, but, you know, it's about just proving it to yourself, right? And, and getting, getting victories along the way, building up momentum. And it's about just starting, right? And, and you, don't, you, don't, you can't expect to wake up and be a different person one day, but you can integrate one or two habits that will help make your life better, will help get you moving in the right direction. And then as you integrate those habits, you build momentum, you can add more habits, right? And then you can just kind of build on that and do more and do more because if you would show me what I do every day now, you know, eight, seven, eight years ago, I would have told you that's impossible. You know, I, I could never do that. Right. Because I didn't yeah. just sit down one day and say, okay, well, these are the 40 things I'm going to do every day or every week. You know, it, it didn't happen like that. It happened with, Hey, maybe I'm going to start flossing my uh, teeth every night. Right. Oh, oh, that's good. It feels good to take care of myself. I got a Fitbit. I'm going to go walk 10,000 steps every day. Oh, okay. I start to, to, to feel a little bit better, right? Maybe I'll start to take, pay some more attention to, to what I'm eating, you know? And, you know, th there's, there's also some, there were some, some missteps along the way, you know, it's, it's not just a straight line up, right? For, for a while there, my, my fitness plan was switching from, from beer to, to liquor. And I was like, yeah. well, if I, stop drinking beer and I start drinking liquor, maybe I'll drop some, some weight. Right. And it might've worked to a certain extent, but it's not what I would consider to be a viable, you know, you know, fitness plan. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a process and it, it involves trial and error. Like you said, it involves failure. You have to, you know, just keep going. And it's, it, I guess that's what, that's what I would tell myself from years ago is that, it doesn't end, right? And just because you reach a weight loss goal or just because mm -hmm. you reach some milestone, it doesn't mean that your journey is over and you don't have to keep going because you do, right? You know, the, the way the world is stacked against us in a lot of ways these days, yeah. it's easy to fall, you know, off the off the wrong side of the mountain. You got to keep going every day and keep, keep that kind of goal in mind. Yeah, it's the, the diet fallacy is, is one thing. It's the I mean, diet, you have to start one, you have to end it. Well, that's ridiculous, isn't it? The, you know, if you if you're starting and stopping a diet, you're going to gain that back again, aren't you? Whereas if you embrace in, uh, a healthy lifestyle and, and a healthy respect for what you're putting inside your body, food-wise, 
well, yeah. then that's not going to be there for life. I'm going to bring up some pictures now. Um, and uh, these are interesting to me. So this is going to obviously take the audience here back to where you were. And uh, I think it's, I'll tell you what's great about this. I'm a very open guy when I come to like alcoholism and everything else and stuff that I've been through in the military and things like that. And I think you're a very open guy as well. And I think that's what mess, that's what kind of uh, makes me kind of jump onto guys like yourself and some other dudes online there. I'm like, oh, that guy. That guy's the same as I am. You know, that, that guy's trying to help people. He's trying to. So you put a picture up, you know, it's not the most flattering picture. Be like, hey, this is where I am. And a lot of people are there now looking at this and saying, there's that guy. And then there's this guy I'm talking to. They're two different people. When was this? And what happened there? Was this this the last time you lost all the weight? Yeah, uh, this is the summer of 2016. So this is about yeah. a few months before I, I started losing weight, uh, you know, uh, again. And, you know, you, you can just see like, my suit doesn't fit, right? The, the the button on the suit jacket's straining. I can't even button my collar, right? You know, it's just, you know, I, I was too, I'm too ashamed though to buy clothes that that fit me, right? Because I don't want to have to go and buy a 19 inch collar shirt. I don't want to have to go to the big and tall store, right? That's not how I see myself. And it's, it, it's yeah. painful for me to do that. And yeah. I would, I would look in the mirror and be like, well, I'm not going to be this fat forever. So why would I waste the, the money buying these big clothes that, that don't fit me. Right. You know, and I guess to a certain extent it was true, but you know, it doesn't make me look better in the picture. Obviously you, you can see just from a visual representation that I'm clinging to a smaller size since, since the, the suit I'm wearing doesn't even fit me. Yeah. Yeah. Clinging to, so you saw, you had a body image of yourself that wasn't this person that you were that day. I mean, you knew. Yes. So I, I lost weight in my twenties. Right. And you know, like, like you had said, I had lost the 75 pounds twice before. And at this time, if you would have asked me, I, I would have said those, those previous attempts were failures, right. Because I, I put in all that work and, and I reached my goal only to let it go. But now that I look back at them, I see them as successes because they proved to me that this was possible. Right. So yeah. in my twenties, I, I lost a lot of weight and I got into really good shape and I had this vision of myself, like what, what I could be, and, you know, you know, man, if I just stick with this, right, I'll, I'll, I'll look like this or, you know, I'll feel like this. I'll, I'll be able to, to do this. And even though it didn't work out that way for me, I still kind of kept that, that vision in the back of my mind. And I knew on some level that that was possible and that I needed to get back to that. And I, I didn't want to accept where I was, you know, when I looked like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And so what we're going to talk about now is, is, your, is your last loss yeah. here. Well, you've come down around about 235, something like that, and you've come down now to 156, which to me is pretty yeah. ridiculous, really. Interestingly, you've said before, though, that you weren't interested in building muscle. That wasn't that wasn't even in your scan. It wasn't about that. You were about the agility and the fitness and the, the competing, and you do a lot of that now. Is that right? Uh, not exactly. I mean, I, I didn't even get involved in competition until 2019. Okay. Um, what, what my main goal was, was I wanted to keep my weight at 160 pounds. Because because I I knew that if I get down to 160, I'm not I'm not fat at that weight. And if I just keep working out and I keep exercising and, and the scale doesn't go up, every day the scale doesn't go up, I'm beating obesity, right? I'm not gaining this weight back again. And so I didn't yeah. care about adding muscle or whatever. The the scale, it probably not the healthiest way to do it from an emotional standpoint, right? People say not to fixate on the scale, but what I'll tell you is fixating on the scale worked for me because it yeah. allowed me to to do this, looking at this weight graph. I would say in many ways, this is the most in, incredible thing I've ever achieved because I, I not only lost the weight, but I kept it off for years 
But I did that through action and through intention and by by maintaining a pretty rigorous schedule of, of what I ate and the sort of training I did. But I had to teach myself how to live a lifestyle that that maintained this. Right. It wasn't something that I inherently understood how to do. And like like you had said earlier, just because the, the, the diet ends doesn't mean you, you just stop. And if I would stop when the diet ended, well, I would just go back to living the way I lived before. And obviously that, that doesn't work. Right. So I had to, I had to teach myself how to live again. And I had to set up more rules and kind of keep some structure in place. I I kept tracking my food. I kept exercising, but I kept the weight off. Right. And that was something that I never thought was possible. And, you know, until I did it and I proved it to myself, Right. That that's 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 success for me. I, I didn't care about gaining 30 pounds of muscle. I was happy enough just not being fat for, for, for once in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people would say, um, I'm just the shape I am. I can never do this, uh, you know, especially with the well, I've been in the States a few times. Um, the food that you have in the States, it's very hard, isn't it? Is it is it not very hard to eat healthily and consistently? You have a lot of planning to 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 get the correct foods that you would need. Am I still thinking this is correct? Or are there stores you can go to which are like super grass fed beef stores, and you can pick up all this stuff and it's absolutely fine. You can you can eat very healthy here. It's it's you know it's it's the options are pretty much limitless. I I, I guess right, and I would say I, I eat a healthier diet here than most people throughout history have ever eaten. It's just kind of not the norm, right? So the stuff is there, but most people, most mainstream people aren't eating like this. You have to look for it a bit, right? You know, if you just kind of go and and buy the sort of foods that people buy, the sort of foods that are advertised in the mainstream media, right? That's not going to be a a good road to uh, go down. You have to kind of seek it out. You have to do your own research and educate yourself about what you should be eating and where to get it and and that kind of thing. So did you track Mac? I mean, this is my fitness power, I guess. I I use that Mm -hmm. as well. Do you track, did you track macros down here and stick to them? Did you have like five meals a day? What, What were you doing? What was your plan? Not at this time. I, I didn't do any macros. I had tracked macros previously. Uh, I did this pretty much by, by counting calories and yep. focusing on eating protein dominant meals, right? Yep. So um, yep. if you just focus on having a portion of lean protein with each meal and, and restricting the calories, um, you know, counting macros works too, because macros are just calories kind of extrapolated. Yep. Um, yep. So, so that could, that could be a good thing. Uh, you know, this was my fitness pal. I, I did it by eating six meals a day. I ate six small meals a day. I, I know that's not really in vogue these days. Um, people kind of gravitate more toward fasting and intermittent fasting. And I think there's a lot of value in that too, right? It depends on the individual. I, I don't think these are hard and fast rules. Yeah. Uh, I, I like to eat six meals a day because it meant I was never really more than an hour and a half away from having eaten or eating again. So that yeah. kind of made it easier to just manage, right? You look down at the clock and you're like, all right, well, I get to eat again in, in you know, an hour and 20 minutes. That, that's not so bad. I, I, I can make it. Um, if I had it to do over again, I'd probably do some, some intermittent fasting because I think learning to come to terms with hunger and manage your hunger levels is, is very beneficial. Right. And, you know, so that was the, the way I did it was kind of a bandaid over kind of managing my hunger and, and learning that it's okay to be hungry. It's okay to not eat for eight, 12 or even 24 or 36 hours. is not going to kill you. Right. doesn't even make yep. you feel that bad. Um, so, but I, I, I like to eat the small frequent meals. 
Okay. And so talking of eating and small frequent meals, then we're, we're bringing um, Courtney in. Yeah. Courtney, is your, your, your wife, partner? I must admit, I've never known this. She's a partner. Yeah. We're, we're not technically partner. married, but we've, we've been together yeah. for a long time at this point. She's not escaping, is she? She's not. No. <laughs> so, not now, no. anyway. I mean, maybe not now. If she's not stuck now, around back it. then for sure. But uh, yeah, you resell the codes of the house. She's going nowhere. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> going nowhere. <laughs> so she she obviously does a lot on YouTube as well with cooking wise, and she talks yeah. about meal prep and everything else. I follow Courtney. Uh, it's really useful stuff, actually. Now, an interesting thing here: were you on this journey together, or would you do the journey? And then Courtney saw the changes were happening with you, and then she decided that was something she wanted to do as well. How did that work out? So she was actually on the journey ahead of me. Um, okay. She, she, she in like 2015, um, she had a blood test done, and she was pre-diabetic, right? And that that right. hit her pretty hard, uh, yeah. you know. And she realized that that she needed to to make some changes. Uh, she didn't really know what she she didn't really know how to do it though right um and and here i was like i i had you know expert level knowledge on how to get into shape because i did it in my 20s in my 20s i I taught myself all about fitness and nutrition right but i wasn't living the lifestyle so it was hard for me to just give people advice because obviously you lack any kind of credibility if you look like i do in the top picture there and i'm going to give you fitness and weight loss advice you're going to be like what are you talking about you don't know what you're talking about so you know she struggled with like weight watchers and things you know and maybe doing some kind of less than than ideal uh you know things to to try to lose weight and then once i started doing it um you know i i pretty much I clicked back over to who I was in my mid twenties. Once I, I started losing fat, once I committed myself to, to doing it, I pretty much went back to what I was doing in my mid twenties almost overnight. And it was pretty shocking for her at the time because I was like a, a different person right then. Um, but I, after a few weeks, she saw how effective my my methods were. You know, as you saw from my kind of fat loss graph, you know, I lost one point seven pounds per week for eight and a half months. Um, so then she kind of started doing what I was doing and she also saw great success and, you know, we've been on it together really, you know, for, for, for this whole time. How, how does it, so for you, when, when you were coming down there, are you seeing the scales going down? That's what the motivating factor for you is, or do you know that you're going to get there because you've done it twice already? It's a no brainer, you know, I'll do it. You're fine. You're going to end up there. And now you just got to figure out how to stay there this time. Yeah, I knew how to get there. It really wasn't. It was more the thing that really kept me from doing it again was not thinking I could maintain the fat loss because who wants to deprive yourself for eight and a half months only to end up getting fat again, right? And, you know, so it was really hard to kind of summon the energy and the motivation to get started again. But once I got started again, I knew I was going to be successful. I pretty much planned out down to the week when I was going to hit 160 because I had done this before. I, I knew what was required. Um, what I did when I started, though, was I, I, I made a plan for after this, right? And I, I realized well, if I'm going to lose this weight and I'm going to slim down, what am I going to do once I reach my goal to maintain it? And, and that really became my focus, right? You know, I, I started thinking about the end at the beginning and I, you know, okay, well, when I reach the goal, then what am I going to do? So I really kind of had this longer term plan in mind and I knew it would take eight or nine months for me to get to where I wanted to be. But then after I got there, my concern was, well, how do I keep this off? And like I said, I pretty much just kept a lot of the same rules and structure in place 
that I, I did when I, I was losing weight. I kept tracking my food. Obviously, I, I could eat quite a bit more, which was a huge relief. It felt great to, you know, go from eating 1,800 calories a day to eating 2,500 calories a day, right? You know, so I, I didn't yeah. care about tracking the food. It was, I, I got to eat more and I felt so much better from that. And I kept, kept training. I, you know, I kept walking 10,000 steps every day. I kept stepping on the scale every day. And I realized if I keep doing these things, well, how am I going to, how am I going to really get fat again? Right. You know, worst case scenario, I gained a few pounds and it's easier to lose five pounds than it is 50 pounds. Right. I, I can just buckle down for two or three weeks and, and, you know, get back into shape if I need to, and not just have the problem coming and then just ignore it and pretend like it's not happening. Like, like I would in the past. Okay. That makes sense. So you, you and I, I think we're, 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 we were beer guys, bar guys. You know, we like that kind of thing. Um, New Jersey, I believe you were. Is that right? Yeah. I guess you've got a pretty good culture up there. And now you've moved down to, to Florida, which we're a lot more sun, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Down south. Uh -huh. But uh, how do you now, when you go out for like a meal or something, um, do you look at certain things and you just know that you're not having that? Like, it's just not even, it's, you know, it's not like you really want it anymore. Say you might have wanted it. There may be something in there like chicken in a basket with chips or, or fries or corn. Um, and you might now kind of go, yeah, I'm not, I didn't even want that anymore. I used to, but I don't want that. What I'm going to have is, this maybe some salmon and some stuff like yeah. that is it instant yeah i mean when you start eating healthy you know if you do it for a few months i think you really start to you retrain your palate in a lot of ways and you kind of realize how gross a lot of this food makes you feel right you know right. you learn you know, I had some, some salty food the other night for dinner and my weight went up five pounds, right. Overnight, you know, and like, that's, yeah. that's not, you know, I'm smart enough to understand that that's not fat that, that I put no, on, but water, it, isn't it? You, you still feel bloated and gross and you still hate yeah. seeing the, the, the scale go up like that. So, you know, um, one of the things now I'm training for an Ironman, so I can pretty much eat anything I want at this point, which, which is nice. Um, but that's going to mean that, that when I, you know, do stop training and turn that down a bit. I'm going to have to really be, be kind of vigilant about what I'm eating, but you know, I, I kind of gravitate now toward eating healthier foods because it makes me feel good. Yeah. It makes you feel good. And you know, that nutrition is going to benefit you in the longer term anyway. And, and, yes. and it's interesting. Isn't it? I think people should go to one of these restaurants. We have chain restaurants over here, but you know, go and have a McDonald's or something when you're, when you've done this and just see how you feel. Yeah, you don't, sure. you don't feel, you don't feel good when you're sat in the car, you're like driving back from McDonald's. You're like, I did nothing for me. <laughs> what do I, I do that for? A couple of years ago, I was training for my first marathon and I had a, a, a 20 mile run on a Sunday morning. And the night before I had just like takeaway Chinese food for dinner and all that run was terrible. It was the, yeah. it was like three and a half hours and I was dying the whole time and my pulse was super high. And it was just, and you, you learn these lessons like, well, if I want to, do a 20 mile run, I have to fuel myself appropriately. I have to take care of myself. And, you know, this is one of the great things that I get from, from like training for Ironman races is it really requires me to be dialed in, in every aspect. You have to, you know, you have to recover, you have to eat, you have to sleep, you have to train, right. And it all kind of works together. Yeah. It's that recovery. I did a marathon with my wife in Berlin back in 2011. And I think I had a cheeseburger the night before and a couple of beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a hard, it was like three, well, was, I think it was four hours actually in the end. It was hard, you know, it yeah. was just hard. Just, but you never, you don't know anything back then, do you? Because you're, you're a bit younger, whatever. And you don't really think about it. I'm going to have a cheeseburger, a few beers, one a marathon because you can. Nothing good is going to come of that. These are you doing these, um, you did, uh, you've done some Ironmans, haven't you? You've done a sprint, I believe, an Olympic. 
And this yeah. is you, this Ironman you're doing now is the 73.1, is it? Am I right in thinking that? So the the Ironman in the, in the upper left, that was a 70.3. Um, that was from last That's year. Good. And right now 70. I'm training for a full distance Ironman, which is 140.6 miles. Which has got the marathon in it, isn't it? Yeah, it's a two and a half mile swim and then a 112 mile bike ride and a marathon at the end. You're kind of in that, you're kind of in that amateur professional athlete sphere that you've dropped yeah. into. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of effort, right? You know, and I mean, I'm training, I don't know, at least 10 hours per week right now. It's only going to ramp up as the race gets closer, but you know, it's, it's just, it's something that's so far beyond anything I ever thought I could do. And it's, it, it's amazing to just train like this, you know, and I feel like I'm, I'm in my late thirties and I'm about to turn 40 next month. Right. And I feel like I, it's, it feels so great to just be a, like a, attain some of my athletic potential because as a kid, you know, I was, I was fat and weak and I was unathletic and I stopped playing sports, you know, at a very early age, um, you know, getting back to it now in my late thirties. And it really feels great to just kind of realize that, wow, like I can achieve something like this. But I never thought I could do that before. Yeah, no, absolutely. It completely makes sense. I mean, to me, it's this, this madness, madness that you want to do. Here's the thing for you I was going to ask. So training up in New Jersey, I'm assuming the weather up there is a, a bit more inclement. Obviously, in Florida, I guess it's a lot more sunny and everything else. Is Do you find training down in Florida a lot easier than you did when you're up north? No, it's harder. It's it's harder, uh, for sure. All right. Yeah, it's hot here all the time, unrelentingly right. hot and humid. Um you know, it's, 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 it's just running outside, especially in June right now. It, it's really unpleasant. There's no kind of respite from the heat. Uh, this also wasn't a great place for cycling. Um, where I was in New Jersey, it was kind of a more suburban rural sort of area with nice rolling hills and nice lush green countryside. And here it's just right. flat and traffic lights. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not great for cycling, but I mean, there, there are some great advantages to it too. The sun is great. Um, all, all the swimming options, swimming in the ocean, stuff like that. That's, that's great. So, uh, but, but on the balance training in New Jersey, right. It, you know, it, it was, it presented some challenges with the weather, but you know, running in cold is better than running in hot. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, what was the reason for moving down south? Was it just to get closer to the ocean that you could use or something? Or Yeah, Courtney got a promotion at work, actually. Okay. So the opportunity kind of uh, popped up. But I, 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 on some level, I, even going back to being a kid, I always knew I was going to live in Florida. Um, you know, and it was a goal of mine to move down here for a long time. And uh, the opportunity came up and I, I took it and, you know, just what I've kind of come to learn about circadian biology and the importance of sun exposure, right? Uh, if you do a, a cost benefit analysis or a pro con list, well, one of the pros is just so much more significant than all the other ones. And that's, well, you get year round sun exposure here. So I can okay. get one to three hours of sun exposure on my bare skin every day here where in New Jersey in the winter, you might go a week without really seeing the sun. Um, you know, so, so for me, I'm like, well, that's just a no brainer. If I could, if I could be down here and get all that sun exposure, you know, year round, then that's, that's where I want to live. So that was my main kind of interest in moving and coming down here. Yeah, we do the same in the UK with rain. Actually, we get rain exposure. So we get like one to three hours a day of rain. 
on our skins. Yeah. Apparently, that, apparently, it's good for us somehow. I'm not too sure. We don't we don't see the sun. We've heard about yeah. it before. We've heard about it. We don't see it very often. It's great <laughs> if you get a chance to see it. You know, I, I see a lot of the Brits down here in South Florida, and you, you could always tell because they're always bright pink. Yeah, um, you know, when, when right. they're down here, they're have, have some pale marks, and then they're bright pink. Then the rest of them. I look at the sun, just go. That's it. Yeah. I'm like a lobster. So you got last two pictures here. This is obviously your. This is obviously your, your, your weight loss picture, and then this one yeah. here is just showing the contrast between the two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so when when clients come to you, they've obviously seen this, and they're like, "I'm that guy on the left, and I want to be the guy on the right, and you know, I want to see results now. And how long is it going to take?" Do you, do you talk about the longevity of the journey and the sustainment of of it, or do you do you try? I mean. It's difficult, isn't it? It's not a quick fix, is it? That's the thing. People want that, but it took, them, it yeah. took a long time to get to that size. It's going to take a long time to get out of that size. Yeah, I'm not trying to sell any snake oil or anything like that, right? I, I'm pretty much straight up, you know, and I think it's attainable for anyone, but it's not going to happen overnight. It's not yeah. going to happen in, in a few weeks or a few months, and you're not going to get it by, by taking a pill or a powder. You know, there's no magical solution to it. There are obviously best practices. There's things you can do that help. Um, but, you know, it's, it's about committing yourself to a lifelong journey, right? And it's, it's going to be a lifelong thing. And that's not to make it sound like it's daunting because you, you can only ever do what you're doing right now in the moment, right? So it's great to have a goal. Everybody should have a goal that they're working towards. But, yeah. you know, you, you don't want to fixate on it too much, right? I, I'm not – I'm – Sometimes I'll find myself thinking about Ironman Florida, which I can look over there and see it's 144 days from now. But I'll, I'll say, well, why do I want to subject myself to the suffering of this right now? When the day of the race comes, I'll be there and I'll deal with it then. But I don't have to sit here and dread this thing happening day after day after day. There's no, there's no need for me to prolong the agony, right? I can just do today's training session I'll go to the pool. I'll execute my training plan to the best of my ability and I'll go enjoy my day. And just, just because I'm going to have a day of suffering in, in, in five months. Well, when, when that day comes, I'll deal with it then. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's about living in the moment and, and just kind of being where, you know, there's an old Teddy Roosevelt saying, do what you can with what you have, where you are. Right. So, you know, if, if you look like I do and on the left there, you, you're not going to be running for an hour and a half outside, right? That's okay. You don't have to just make yeah. better food choices, go for a walk, right? Start, start small, but keep it simple and just build on that. And you'll see success if you just be consistent with it. Yeah. It's just James clear, isn't it? Talking about habit forming and, and, and this sort of thing. It's an interesting one, actually. So people on the left there, of course, they're going to, they're going to come to you, aren't they? They're going to say, you know, they're not. When you talk to people on the left, there, do you do you ask them if they're happy? Because obviously, is it something that you really delve into as a psychology aspect of it, or um, is it very simple for you? Like, we're going to take this and we're going to do these simple things and build upon them, and then you're going to end up like the one on the right there. I think it's clear that on some level they're not happy. I, I don't think you can be. You know, I, I don't like necessarily use the word happy because happy kind of just is it. Happy kind of describes your temporary state. Um, yeah, sure, know, sure. I get it. You know, yeah. I, I and I, one of the things I don't really like about everything I do on social media is it kind of forces me to to demonize my 
my past self, right? Like, uh, you know, you have this before and after picture, right? And you're yeah. like, well, the guy on the left is bad and the guy on the left is good, right? And I like, overcame yeah. this. And it's not necessarily a fair characterization. I, I still enjoyed my life quite a bit. I had a lot of great times, you know, I had a lot of good memories and, you know, it honestly, if it wasn't for, for trying to help people and inspire them, I wouldn't really even think too much about it because it doesn't really impact me and who I am now. But I didn't realize that life could be as good as it is now. Right. I, I didn't even, I didn't even know that I could be this energetic and I could feel this good on a day-to-day -day basis back then because until you actually do it, you, you, you can't really understand just what, what the possibilities are and how good you can feel, how much better you can feel. So I, I don't think even words can do it justice that, you know, I, I, if I could figure out how to sell that, I, I'd probably be even more successful because, it, you know, you, you know, what, once you kind of reach your potential and you're healthy and you're fit, like life is just so much better in every way. I was going to ask you about this. So then someone, uh, you're at a party somewhere and someone says, Hey, you want a beer? Have you, if you say, well, there's no reason to have a beer now because it doesn't fit into my lifestyle beers anymore. Is that how it works? Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll drink on occasion now. I just, I don't really find the, the, the benefit of it. Um, but what I've found is that by improving my emotional state, my experience with alcohol is very different. Right. Um, you know, so, so now that I'm in a higher emotional state, uh, I don't, it's not nearly as addictive, I, I guess. I don't, I don't look at it as an escape. Um, you know, when, okay. when I was in a, in a lower emotional state, well, that was kind of what I lived for was, you know, yeah getting that alcohol and being able to just kind of unwind or detach for a little bit. Right. And now I don't have that. So now when I do drink, it actually feels kind of nice and it's, you know, it, it enhances my mood, but at the same time it, it's a poison and I don't really mm. want to, you know, I don't really want to ingest it and I'm, I'm trying to train for my goals and it's not helping me get there. But I have no problem saying, like, I don't feel like having that. I was at a barbecue a few weeks ago and everybody else was drinking. And I was just, no, keep drinking my water. It's fine. I don't need yeah, that. No. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Because a, a lot of your clients are going to come to you and they're going to they're gonna say, look, I got here um, probably as you did a little bit from, uh, you know, from having a few beers at the bar and having a barbecue. And I don't want to let those things go. I like barbecuing. I like having a beer at the bar. And, of course, you can say to them, well, yeah, fine, you can do that. But you just, you know, you got you to put some other things in the way here. you got to look at some... Uh, some calorie deficit you've got to do all these things and then when you get there and everything of course you can have those things if you need them it's um i think a lot of fear a lot that people have of of maybe losing weight or adopting a healthy lifestyle is the fact they'd have to drop things permanently forever and yeah. and uh they see it as i think the language around alcohol cessation is all wrong i never use the terms alcoholic for example because people you know, I think that labeling thing is is horrible, and uh, I never use I never talk about quitting alcohol. You know, I don't talk about that. I talk about you know uh, uh, gaining uh, uh, gaining the life you really want. You know, moving forward yeah. and, and that sort of thing. I think it's more positive to talk in those kind of terms. Yeah, and I mean, I would really describe my transformation as ultimately fixing my self image, right? And it's it's a challenge to to evolve your self image. Because you, you see yourself in a certain way and this is comfortable for you, right? And especially if, if you're somebody who's in a low state, you're, you're in a state of fear a lot. And 
in order to become something greater, you have to, you have to, you know, deal with that fear. You have to step out of who you are. You have to leave your comfort zone and you have to, to live differently. Right. So you might look at your life and say, well, I, I couldn't imagine my life without having five or six beers on a Saturday because that different self image is uncomfortable for you. Right. It's, it's, there, there's a fear holding you back from making that choice and saying, well, yes, I can. I can, I, you know, I, I can live like that, or at least I can try to live like that. You know, and, you know, I, I'll tell you the, the first weekend that Courtney and I stopped drinking in 2016, that, that was tough. You know, we, we were at a coffee shop and we were talking about the other day where I was just sitting there. We're like, all right, what do we do now? Right. It's like three in the afternoon on Saturday. We're at a coffee shop drinking coffee. It's like, well, what do we do to fill our time? You know, and there's no really easy answer for that. You know, you have to, you have to kind of build a new image of yourself, but you can build a better image of yourself and a healthier image of yourself. You just, you have to go out and do it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's that inability to, to see yourself in the future, isn't it? It's like, what does that future self look like? I do something with my guys where, um, uh, we do, uh, we, we, in effect, we're taking, I'm taking my guys to a restaurant and, um, there's, and this is 10 years in the future and there's going to be a guy there to meet to meet them and have dinner with them. And as we open the door and I walk them up to the, um, it's called the 10 year plan. I walk them up to the seat and I sit them down next to this guy. It's them in 10 years. If they taken every single positive and healthy step they possibly could have done over those 10 years. And then I get the guys to write down what those things might be on a 10 year plan. And when they submit it to me and we read it, we discuss it. Like, you know, and there's a whole thing. It's a whole page. Like, what is it? You know, when you wake up in the morning, you look at it and that kind of stuff. And then we fold it up, we put it in a sock drawer and every couple of months they look at it because it's quite a powerful emotion. When you think about it, you have to be presented with your best self in 10 years time, your best self, like the guy that's done everything that you should be doing. If you were going to lead the best possible life you could be and an example to your kids and your wife and your family, everything else. And then you're sat there opposite this dude thinking I could have been this guy, but now I've I decided to take a different path. It's yeah. um, it kind of, it's quite a powerful way of tripping people into making some kind of tangible and positive change in their lives. Yeah. And that's, that's a really powerful way of looking at it is, you know, there is this version of yourself off in the future, right. And, and, and that is you right now. And the more you can embody that person, like that version of yourself, you know, if you, you know, think the way that person thinks, acts the way that person acts, use the words that person uses, right. Yeah. You right, know, yeah. you become that person by becoming that person, right. There's a, a great quote that I love from wealth, from Ralph Waldo Emerson, do the thing and you will have the power, right? So, you know, you just live your life like that person. And the more you're able to embody that, well, then that's how you become that person, right? Is just by becoming that person. And, you know, this was, <clears throat> this was what I did with, with my, there's a photo of me where it was three days after I started losing weight and I have a big smile on my face. And it's the, the first photo with a genuine smile on my face from, you know, probably in my thirties at least. Right. Mm -hmm. And it, it was because I took the initiative to get started and I made the commitment to get started. And it didn't matter that I had only started two or three days ago and I hadn't even lost any weight yet or seen any results. I was embodying who I am right now. Right. I was, I was, I was becoming, I became that person and I was happy. It's agency, isn't it? You've taken control of your life. You haven't let other people take control of it. You've decided to make that change, haven't you? A lot of people don't ever do that. It's 
and I understand why, because we get comfortable and we really, we get used to being comfortable and we're comfortable. Being comfortable is comfortable, yeah. isn't it? You know, doing something uncomfortable is uncomfortable. It's hard sometimes to see into the future and see what you, what all the potential that you have. It's hard sometimes to see what you might become. Yeah. But it's, it's fascinating. So when people come to you, then you, you have, what do you do with them? Is it all purely individual or do you have a, a set process that you work people through what if i came if i got a lot of my guys all right i'm gonna say they're yeah. gonna see this a lot of my guys they're gonna be like matt matt's brilliant matt's the greatest ever <laughs> by the way is what they're gonna say <laughs> i'm gonna be like yeah matt's the man what's up i'll give you matt's number let's go and they're gonna come to you they're gonna go hey matt i'm carrying a few pounds here and you're obviously the master at this um what are you gonna present them with what happens next yeah it, it's customized for everybody because i don't think it, there's a one size fits all approach that that works for everybody because it has to be something that is integrated into your life and works for you in your situation and you know certain people have different issues some people might have some issues with alcohol right some people you know they they might have some other mental or emotional issues so but my my program really is what I like to call a holistic program where it's it's more than just the physical part of, of fat loss like eat this many calories and eat yeah. these foods and, and that sort of thing that's part of it obviously but you know it's really about the mental and the emotional growth and believing in yourself you know if you can learn if you really believe in what you're doing then you'll be successful and i, I think self-belief and belief in, in what you're doing will achieve the result is is the most important part of the process if you believe in it it will work okay so i'm gonna write two things down there because i want to talk about um two things so the first one to talk about is that idea that the words are just where we want to be but the actions are where we're going to get to in effect. So we all have these words, don't we? I'm going to get ripped. I'm going to get, um, but it's the actions that are going to take you there. And we can see people, can't we saying, oh, it's that, it's that we kind of tell other people, isn't it? We, uh, we say, Hey, listen, in summer, I'm going to get myself real fit and everything, but it's like, you're not doing anything. You're not picking up a weight. I haven't seen you do any walking and stuff like that. So we've got to concentrate on that action. haven't we, the body, I, I feel the body leads the mind, Matt. What do you reckon? The body leads the mind. It's, you've got to be moving that body in order for the mind to follow. I know other people think something different, but how do you work that? I think the mind can lead the body. And I, I think ideally the body and mind work together in harmony, right? And, and it, I don't necessarily think one leads the other. Um, the body can lead the mind though. And that was probably how I did it. But, you know, I, I ultimately, I think everything happens because of your mind, right? You, you, you go to the gym and you pick up the weights because of your mind. And it's, it's ultimately my mind that built this. Um, I, I would say it, it, they, they work in harmony, you know, and it's, yeah, I get what you're saying. I yeah. You're saying. I, I feel that the movement encourages more movement. So if you've definitely. gone and had a big lift, you, you feel a pump, you're like, you walk it back, your shirt's all tight. You're like, you, you, your body wants to be getting back into that again. Of course it's the mind that's driving yeah. a lot of this, but the body seems to be carrying it through. We need to be mobile and we're not, you're walking 10,000 steps a day. A lot of people don't walk 2000 steps a day. Yeah. Just, the, they just never get out. Do they? I, I think what I would say is that the body and mind aren't necessarily separate and it, it's an illusion to see them as separate. Um, the, the mind is a part of you, right? Most people are overly identified with their mind. And, and I knew that was how I saw myself when I was fat, right? Like, well, this was me up here. 
I'm up here somewhere and this is the thing that carries me around and it's not in very good shape, but, but whatever, it can get me to work and stuff and get me to the bar. Right. And now I've kind of come to understand that, no, I'm a whole person. Right. And my mind is no more who I am than my hand is or my spleen is. Right. And, and I'm, I'm a holistic person that, you know, my body and my mind are all part of the same sort of being. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying there. And also the, the we, we do notice changes in people, things like that. And we notice them very small changes. We can just look at a person, you can see effort in the way their body is, or you can see effort into the way they present themselves. And I think that we notice that straight away. And we're kind of more attracted to listening to those kind of people that we just are, aren't we? I mean, you can't say, let's lose weight if you're carrying loads of pounds. Can you? you can't, you yeah. can't do it. Like you said earlier, it's not going to work. And the second thing I really wanted to talk to you about so when you're when you're on your uh, weight loss journey, and now I know obviously you said Courtney was doing this before you were even, but a lot of my guys when they start making change uh, with themselves, they get a lot of um, uh, negativity from say spouses, or it may just be one or two comments that derails them, and then I've got to rebuild it. It's like one or two things that they're like, Tim, I I went out last night, I got smashed up, had a curry, had loads of lager. What what caused that? Well, my wife said that she preferred me the other way. And it's, you know, I looked, I looked better before I'd lost loads of weight or something. Did you get any of that? Obviously not from spouses here, Matt, but did you get anything yeah. from co-workers or anything else? Did you find anything like that? Yeah, a hundred percent. And this is one of the biggest things that you have to overcome. Um, this was one of the major things that derailed me in my twenties and caused me to kind of fall back off the wagon and, and, and gain my, my weight back again. And you have to understand that if you're surrounded by what I want to call low energy people, right. The, the sort of people who, who don't really want to see you succeed, you know, um, the, the sort of people who feel like your success threatens them, it makes them feel badly about themselves. So when your spouse makes that comment to you, it has nothing to do with you and how you look. It has everything to do with them and how they feel about themselves and how your success is made, is highlighting to them that they aren't doing what they should be doing. Right. So they, it's easier for them to get you to stop and fall back to where they are than it is for them to deal with these painful feelings. So these, these are the people I like to call, you know, the uh, crabs in the bucket, right? They just want to pull you back into the bucket. They don't want to crawl out of the bucket themselves with you. They just want to pull you back down because once you're back down in the bucket, it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, look, see, it's a good thing I didn't bother trying. And, you know, this is one of the, this is one of the, the reasons why gaining weight back again is such a public failure because all these people I worked with and I was, I was friends with, I guess I'll say, right. They, they would make comments to me about how great I looked and all this other stuff. But then when I gained the weight back again in less than six months, no one ever pulls you aside and says, Hey, what's going on, Matt? You look like you've, you've put on like, like 20 pounds, you know, everything. Okay. You know, like, like what, right. These aren't people who supported me. These were people who were around me and ultimately they were, they felt better about themselves because I failed. Right. And they said, well, yeah. it's a good thing. I didn't bother to do all that crazy exercise and that crazy diet he was doing because look at him here. It is a year later and he's just as fat as he was. So good thing I didn't bother doing any of that. Right. And it makes them kind of feel superior or at least justifies their, their lack of action and their lack of agency. So yeah. being surrounded by the right people is tremendously helpful, supportive people who, who want to see you succeed, who people who realize, you know, who have an abundance mindset, who realize that 
you can be successful and I could be successful. And if we're both successful, it's going to make the world a better place. This is with the power that I find in social media, especially on Twitter, is you can surround yourself with people like that. You can find and follow people who are high energy, who are invested in your success, who want to see you succeed. You can connect with other like-minded people who will support you. You can support them versus the people in your day-to-day life. They might not be like that, and they're probably not going to be like that because and when I look around, I think most of the people that I see on a day-to-day basis aren't like that. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And that's how I feel as well. It's almost projection, isn't it? It's um, yeah. they're projecting something onto you because they see change. But, and we, we hear the accusations, don't they? You know, we hear this, oh, you're, you're just a crazy fit, one of those fitness crazy dudes or something. And they kind of, it's a throwaway line, but those lines can damage you when you're trying to do something positive with your life. And then if you reject that and if you're like, well, I'm going to go and do it anyway, you're, you, you feel like you're risking some kind of relationship or damaging their relationship because you're ignoring what they're, what they're saying. I, I think that's derailed a lot of people. I think more so yeah. than we, we realize. It's very easy. And that's why it's so important, of course, to get yourself around a team of people who are supportive like that. And the gym is a great place for that because when you hit the gym, I've got a gym in my garage, actually, but I'm thinking about um, signing back up with the gym I used to be at because I need, you know, I like to do swimming or whatever. It's got a pool. But um, you've got people there that are doing exactly the same thing as you. They're trying to better themselves in a gym, yeah. in a gym environment. Do you find that when you go on these, uh, when you do, do your races, you've got people there that are very supportive of everyone? Yeah, and triathlons is just a, a great sport for that. It's really inclusive, and you know, it's the other athletes are generally really supportive of you because I think everybody who lines up for a race, certainly like an Ironman race, they understand what it takes just to get to that starting line, and you know, there's there's a camaraderie with that and a respect for for the other athletes. Um, and I don't necessarily find that so much with some of the other sports. I would say just like like running, you don't necessarily have that as much but triathlon is a super supportive community generally the other athletes are really supportive and you know just the the spectators are are also really supportive you know it's 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 interesting that you'll see people cheering for you in a race or cheering for you on social media who who might hardly know you or you know just you know might not know you at all but you're like well how this person's more supportive of me than somebody who's a friend or a family member and, you know, has been a part of my life for, for years or decades is right. And it's, you know, again, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with that person and in, 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 in them. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, ha- having that support is crucial, you know, and it, it, it's great, you know, getting involved in a sport that can, you know, get you to compete with people, but in a healthy way, it, it, it's a great thing. Well, look, I really appreciate it. Just we've got two minutes. One thing I just want to ask you because um, it's like, what are we going to do about this? This this thing where we have these um, the plus size models on the lingerie campaigns that's come out of the states is your fault. Yours personally, your fault. It's what are we doing about this? Because we're going to get young people growing up thinking that's acceptable, where we know it's unhealthy. Uh, so I, I can't remember what they call that thing. Body positive movement is it or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I, yeah okay, I just stabbed in the dark there. How do we combat this? Are we are we calling people out? I know some people are. I saw Jordan Peterson say something recently about I'm not going to support it. It's unhealthy. You know, and he's a psychologist. He knows what happens with it. Does it fizzle out or does it become the new normal where everything? You know, we're just going to get. And also, here's the thing. I've noticed women can be plus size, but men can't be on the posters. It seems men have yeah. to be all ripped up and everything. You know, I don't know what that's about. But what do we do? Is it going to fizzle out? What do you reckon? What's the state in America now? What's what's going on? 
I mean, there's people who make a lot of money off us being unhealthy. And, you know, I, yeah. I think large sectors of the economy are based off of people being obese and unhealthy and, you know, the food that goes into that and the healthcare that goes into that and you know, clothing. Um, it has to be a grassroots change, I think, because it's not going to come from the top. These, these big corporations who are making money off of this aren't going to, you know, they're not going to undo it. The, the government's certainly not going to, you know, encourage it, right? It has to come from a grassroots movement of, you know, just setting an example for your your friends and your family. And, you know, you know, people aren't going to do what you tell them to. You got to just go out there and, and lead them by example, you know, and, and show them that, that there's a better way. But it works, right? And, you know, I'll, I'll think about Courtney and she was doing 75 hard before we moved. Oh, yeah. And there were multiple people in her office that started doing it because she was doing it, right? And people would start going for walks at lunch and stuff. And it wasn't because she told them to do it. It was because they saw her. They saw how happy she was. They saw how it benefited her. And they they followed her example, right? So so by being your best self, you're putting that example out there for everybody else. And everybody will see what you're doing. And some people will will follow that example and they, they might not do it immediately. It, it might take a, a long time, you know, it, but when you plant the seed, the seed's going to grow. Right. And I was I was talking with a woman who was teaching her son how, how to swim the other day and the son was misbehaving. And you can tell she was just like at her wits end. And I, I, I said to her, like, what you're doing right now is great. And, and even if he doesn't stick with this swimming. Right. Even if this is only like a few months and he doesn't do it for another decade. Well, he might start doing it again in his 20s. And it might all be because of what you taught him when he was eight years old, how to swim, right? That might be the catalyst for that. Like, I wouldn't have been doing a triathlon if my mother didn't take me to, to do swimming lessons when, when I was a kid, you know? So it, it took, you know, 30 years for that, for, for that to pay off, but it did eventually. So just go out there, be the best you can be, try to live a healthy lifestyle, show other people, try to include them. And if everyone does that, then we'll turn it around. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that. I'm a big fan of that. Cause even then if Courtney's doing that and some people are doing it with her and stuff, and she can see that in the office, what she can't see is other people, you know, that these other people are going home to also start doing it and it mm -hmm. spreads out, you know, it spreads 100%. the whole message spreads out. Then we can yeah. defeat these corporations and that we can bring them down and burn them and, and create a great yeah. world where everyone's fit and healthy and having a great life. That'd, That'd be, be awesome. That's what I'm trying well, to do. So, well, you are. Yes, it. You're a leader in the space, and that's why you're here. You know, giving the message out. And I hope people go to at Matt Izzo there and go and follow you on um, on Twitter. And of course, you've got a good, decent Instagram as well. As well, yeah. uh, that's pretty. It's pretty Matt good. Izzo Fitness on Instagram. So, what was it called again? Matt Izzo Fitness. Matt Izzo yeah. Fitness. Yep. Yeah. Brilliant. Go to that as well. Well, look, Matt, I really appreciate having on. By all means, come on whenever. Also, best of luck in the eye, man. I mean, that's oh, nails, isn't it? So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm rooting for you. I'm there with my yeah. pom-poms. You know, that'd be great. Got a but large so, community of people on Twitter doing that race. There's probably over a dozen people on Twitter doing it. So it's going to be an interesting day. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to set an example for a lot of people, hopefully, and you know, show them that you can, you can achieve the, these great things if you put the work in. That. Yeah, get some pictures up that one. I think it'd be brilliant. I think it'd be brilliant. Yeah, for sure. Really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'll send everyone I know to you, and uh, hopefully we can, as you say, you know, start changing the world one person awesome. at a time. I'm looking Thanks, forward Matt. to it. Thanks for having me on, Tim. Appreciate Take you. Care. Well, that was pretty special, wasn't it? Matt Izzo then, obviously fitness legend. I mean, this guy knows so much, and that's the thing. He's got the knowledge. 
the knowledge. I mean, and also he's so authentic with what he brings to the table. He's like, this is where I was. This is where I am now. And it's better than where I was when I was unhappy, but now I am happy. Okay, so go and follow him on Twitter, at Matt Izzo, okay? Go and hit him up on Insta or whatever, or whatever these things are called now. Uh, follow him, okay? And uh, let that kind of stuff rub off on you a little bit. And I think it'll be much easier for you to get into your own fitness journey. Guys, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. This will obviously be on YouTube. It'll be on podcasts as well. I will be doing more podcasts. I didn't think people liked them. Apparently people do. I'll be putting more stuff on there. Apologies. It's just the content, isn't it? And getting it out. But thanks so much, guys. Till next time then, Tim Davies, Fast Performance.